Welcome to your weekend sports buzz. I'm Kelly Patrick. Joined in studio today by the lovely Ashley Danielle, as is par for the course each week. We also have our man Gary Thomas uh, doing a carryover from our knockout hour show from 9 till 10. He's going to stick with Ashley and I today and join us for the entire, right Gary? Probably not. The entire, or some of, at least some yeah. of today's <laughs> we're week. Gonna, we're going to try to keep him around I'm as just, long as possible. I'm just going to listen. <laughs> I'm just going to soak up this sports knowledge from you two sports nuts. The Weekend Sports Buzz is on the air here at 1450 WXVW every Saturday from 9 to 11 and Sunday from 10 until noon. We want to thank our generous sponsor, Brandon J. Lawrence, for allowing us to be on the air every week. Brandon is the best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville. Give Brandon a call at 502-587-0041. Brandon J. Lawrence, where J stands for justice. Brandon calls us at the end of the show, right before the, the 12 o'clock hour, to correct us each week on any factual inaccuracies that we may have made uh, during the show. He takes great pride in making sure we don't butcher any statistics or any any information about his beloved Dallas Cowboys or, or anything else. For today's show, we've got a couple guests lined up. we got Brian the Insider who will be calling in about 10.15 to update us on the Triple Crown of horse racing. We know that's his his forte, and there's a lot of... Yes, especially after yesterday. Especially he, he after, probably has a whole lot to tell us today. Plenty to talk about uh, regarding the world of California Chrome and the Triple Crown. So we got that to talk about. Our, our next guest will be at 1120. We got second hour guest Anthony Shellman, who is one of the more acclaimed football players in the history of the University of Louisville football program. He actually scored the first touchdown against Kentucky for the University of Louisville that ever occurred. Who scored the first point in the history of the rivalry for Louisville? It was our man Anthony Shellman. He's known uh, for being a great running back in the early 90s for the Cards. But more recently, he is... Very familiar to fans for being the father of Devontae Parker, the touchdown machine. So we'll talk to Anthony Shellman at 1120. Specifically having him on today because he is one of the more avid Miami Heat fans uh, out there. Well, it sounds like, just from his introduction, Kelly, that he's going to be somebody, kind of my type of guy. Your type of guy? My type of guy. Louisville Cardinals through and through. And Miami Heat fan. So Ashley's type of guy. We got the game one of the Eastern Conference Finals today at 3.30 on ABC between the Indiana Pacers, my team, the Pacers, and Ashley's team and Anthony Shellman's team, the Miami Heat. A lot of anticipation. The Pacers actually have home court advantage in this series, but throughout the playoffs thus far, they have been underwhelming to say the least. Almost lost in the first round of the Atlanta Hawks. Um, Roy Hibbert, very hit or miss as far as whether he shows up each game. Mark, um, I'm sorry, Lance Stevenson actually came out and made a comment saying that a way they're going to try to exploit the weaknesses of the Miami Heat is to... What weaknesses? Is to quote... Ashley, here we go. Here we, are, are you ready? I'm ready. He alluded to Dwayne Wade's knee and he said we, we're going to try to get... Are they going to take gonna, his knee out? We're going to try to get his knee to flare up. 
Yeah. So Lance Stevenson. I, I know. I, I think that's worthy maybe of a fine or something. <laughs> it sounds a little bit too aggressive. It's an me. aggressive statement. No question about it. Lance Stevenson, a tough cat from the University of Cincinnati. Um, I like him. He's physical. Of he's feisty. You like him. He plays, he's, he's on your side of this. True. Right Other NBA news. Mark Jackson, has, who was recently let go by the Golden State Warriors as their head coach, despite the fact that he had two winning seasons in a row, two playoff appearances, he has signed a multi-year agreement to rejoin ESPN as an in-game analyst alongside his old buddy, Jeff Van Gundy. My question to our listeners, is being an analyst, a la John Gruden or now Mark Jackson, is that a better gig than actually being a head coach? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say definitively yes. Absolutely yes. Cause, and you have the opportunity to say whatever you want. Um, you're, you're, not, you're not under the same type of pressure that you would be as a head coach, especially at this level. Um, those guys are – they have a lot of work for them. They're, they're being paid, but they're coaching guys that are making more money than them. How do you, you know, really get them to pay attention to you and buy into the game plan? They're a bunch of basically individuals, and now at this point a lot of kids – that are basically going to do whatever they want to. So if I had the choice, uh, head coach or an analyst. No question about it. You don't have the long hours. You hear these stories, especially in the NFL. And you get to travel a lot. I'd sit down and talk my butt off. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun. I would, any day of the week, obviously that's what I do is I like to talk, Clearly, on, talk on the radio. We know you're, what, you, what you would say. Yeah, that's you're, you're right. So my opinion on this topic would be a little... Biased. Maybe I'm not as competitive as some of the coaches out there who strive to be the greatest coach ever. There's no, you know, there's no, as I used the term last show, Gary, there's no quantifiable way to say who the best analyst is. It's so me. Ma- <laughs> Ashley. I'll second that. Well, ooh. I'll go with it. Ashley is. But so maybe if you're a true competitor, you won't see Michael Jordan. Uh, wanting to be an analyst. He likes to compete at the uh-huh. highest level. He wants to be the best. He wants to be the uh, coach, I'm sorry, the president and owner of the Bobcats. He wants that team to excel, and he wants to compete well, yeah. at the highest level. So maybe being an analyst, a la John Gruden or Mark Jackson, those guys, that speaks more to their personality, yeah, that's their lack of competitiveness, say. possibly. No, I don't know about lack of competitiveness, but maybe they're tired and they just want a break. You know, they've lived their whole life or their most of their adult life doing all this hard work and travel and playing and everything like that. But I think a lot of that is related to personality type because you see the guys with the bigger personalities on TV, like a Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal. Like, those guys are entertaining to watch. That like, looks fun as hell. They just get to go up there and just, and do, just whatever. do whatever they want to. It's they, hilarious. They wrestle and body slam Did each you other see that? and talk about some sports. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. Like, I don't think you'd see a like Peyton Manning, you would never see, see him, him as doing a, as something a good like that. Analyst, because right. he's too he's too boring, competitive. He's too competitive. He's boring. Like you said. Yeah, he's boring. Yeah, that's a personality. He's funny in commercials. He was funny on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Well, I don't think he can. Can he do that day that in and day yeah. out? Scripted humor is one thing. Yes, and it bringing it on the level of Charles Barkley and Shaq. That's like a, that's a whole different. Ball I game. love that. I love the NBA. I know this area is college basketball centric. My first love as a sports fan was the NBA, so you I won't hear me. To. Yeah, I you used, used to, to what? I used to love the NBA like that. You don't, you don't anymore? I don't anymore. Um, I guess back then, I I mean, I've always been a basketball like, fanatic because, of course, I played, and that was one thing that I was really— I, I, You excelled at. I, I was good at it, yeah. So I followed like Shaquille O'Neal. 
You were from a, you were a big Shaq fan? I was a Shaq fan from when he was at LSU. So I watched him there. I watched him at the Magic. I had, like, my fifth grade pictures. I had a Shaq Attack jersey on. Like, that was my thing. And then, so I followed him to all the different teams he went to. But in the same breath, all the guys that he was playing with, I watched when I did my brackets, like, in middle school. Like, I saw Tim Duncan at Wake Forest. And, like, I knew who all these guys were. So it was really interesting and intriguing to see how they played alongside each other in the NBA, but now it's like, like I think we've talked about this we so have. many times D- on the Derek Anderson, Anderson was talking with us about it. You're you right. I have no idea who these guys are. You're right. And to me, that's boring. And I'm like, who are you? Where did where did you play? Like, I'm impressed to see somebody like Courtney Lee play in the NBA because, like, he has a story. Like, I saw him play, like, in college, and now he's in NBA. I'm like, I know who this kid is. But the rest of them, hmm, not so much. I'm okay with it, but I, I, de- I certainly see where you're coming from. I like when I was growing up seeing Timmy Hardaway. I always He was my favorite player. I knew that he went to the University of Texas, El Paso. Mark Jackson brings us back into our other topic. He was the point guard for my team, the Pacers. Uh, um, he, you know, he went to St. John's, as did Bill Wennington and all these other great players. Um, so the, the association between player and their alma mater certainly – was a strength of the league at one time is not so much anymore. Even guys who are one and done like Anthony Davis or Kevin Durant were just that. They were just one and done, and they don't so much have the the direct association between the names. And a lot of foreign guys, you look at these rosters, a lot of guys are from Spain or are from France. I mean, a lot of – if you look up and down these rosters, speaking directly to your point, Ashley, yeah. a lot of these guys are not only from Europe, but – uh, you know, Serge Ibaka. I mean, we could go up and down this playoff roster Where is format. Serge Ibaka from? I've been wondering that, but I never looked I it up. I think he's French. Let's see. He's out for the playoffs. Yeah, I heard. I'm sorry. He's he's a... He's from the Congo. Oh, okay. Span- Strong basketball. He's a Congolese yeah. Spanish professional. Oh, huh. okay. So my question for our listeners, give us a call, Oxmoor, Ford Lincoln, Buzzline, 502-384-1450. It's a simple question. Would you rather do what John Gruden is doing or what Mark Jackson just signed a two-year contract to do and be an analyst for the sport that you love? Talk about it on the air. Talk about it on on television. Maybe even some radio work. Or would you rather be a head coach? So give us a call. Let us know what you think. Love to hear about that. We're going to head to our first break. On the other side, we're going to talk to our man Brian the Insider. About this this thing that they call the, the horse racing triple crown. We're going to go out with... Uh, Beyonce, upgrade you. This is what Miami Heat sends to the Pacers. Let us upgrade you. Because <laughs> you're not winning this year. <laughs> you laugh. Game one today is at Banker's Life uh, Arena in Indianapolis. Home game for the Pacers. They don't have a shabby home record. So stay tuned for more of your weekend sports buzz.
yeah, you be the block, but I'm the life to keep the streets on. Know this true the type that like to keep them on the leash, though. I'm known to walk alone, but I'm alone for a reason. Sending me a drink ain't appeasing. Believe me, <laughs> come harder. This won't be easy. Don't doubt yourself. Trust me, you need me. This ain't a shoulder with a chip or an ego. What you think they are? Welcome back to your weekend sports buzz. I'm Kelly Patrick alongside the lovely Ashley Danielle or Ashley Miller coming at you as we do every Sunday from 10 until noon to talk all things in the world of sports, not just your Kentucky Louisville rivalry in basketball and and the specifics of, of uh, just the, the exact local stuff. We like to talk national sports. Also, we're going to head to the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line now. We actually have our man Brian the Insider on the line with us. I know that yesterday was the running of the Preakness. As expected, California Chrome won the Preakness and is now all set to to make his attempt at a Triple Crown victory and and run in the the Belmont, the upcoming Belmont. But the main storyline from yesterday in the world of horse racing was the owner Steve Coburn accepted the Preakness Trophy, and he, ba- he basi- basically used the, the platform um, and the, the microphone as an opportunity to straight just, just rip Churchill Downs. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask our man Brian the Insider what he thinks of this and what this means. Is this a wake-up call for Churchill Downs? How are you doing this morning, Brian? Oh, I'm doing great this morning, Kelly. How are you and Ashley doing this morning? Good. Good. Good to talk to you. Yeah, I... I uh, you know, I was excited for California Chrome. Very impressive winner. Horse racing needs this, but it doesn't need a drunk owner. The guy was actually carrying around, a, I think it was a bottle of tequila, uh, and was clearly smashed. Uh, and his partner, uh, who owns a horse with him, I guess, had brought his 84-year-old mother to Churchill in a wheelchair, which if you've been to Churchill, you've been to any big facility, Super Bowls or anything like that, you got 150000 It's not the most conducive thing in the world for wheelchairs. But I guess somehow uh, that didn't go well. And uh, I found it uh, ironic that the that the actual guy who had the problem didn't comment in the two weeks since then. And it took, uh, took this liquored-up owner. Uh, I thought it was a classless, uh, ridiculous statement that he's probably going to really regret. Uh, John Asher from Churchill Downs responded with a very – uh, taking the high road uh, response. And, uh, you know, he, he had made an, an earlier comment that kind of made me mad uh, that, uh, you know, California Chrome is a con- uh, California bred. And uh, he said, you know, this is the people's horse. This is America's horse. He said, even the people in church, even in Kentucky, they're starting to come around to him. I, I thought that was an unnecessary slam. You win the Kentucky Derby. People in Kentucky consider you a great champion and they're pulling for you. He didn't need to. He didn't need to do all this stuff, and I think it takes away greatly from the fact uh, that California Chrome is a great horse, and that you know for the first time since 1978 we're looking at uh, a possible Triple Crown. But before we get too excited, this it's 12 other times since 78. That was going to be my question for you, Brian. Like how many yeah. times it's happened where a horse won the first two legs and failed to win the third? And we've seen it a lot, Ashley. I mean, in our lifetime, watching horses, we can all remember. And it just happened a few years ago where all have another, which uh, would have been a, a good name for this owner's. Uh, I mean, he. Uh, and by the and by the way, you know what the the name of the uh, the two partners are that own the horse California Chrome. The name of their stable is Dumbass Partners. 
Yeah, I heard dumbass partners, and he is sure, certainly uh, living up to that name. But uh, it, yeah, we've seen this show a lot. Matter of fact, it's it's happened with Victor Espinoza, the the writer, the jockey of uh, California Chrome. He had a shot with War Emblem back mm-hmm. in 2002, where he won the first two legs and finished a tiring eighth in the Belmont. So it, it's really going to be tough. Uh, you know, it's, it's another big race over a very deep, heavy track. They call it Big Sandy uh, Belmont's track, and it's a mile and a half. Very, very tough test, and that is why it has been so long uh, since then. So, you know, I, I've i got mixed emotions. I really came out of that really excited for California Chrome, but after studying these comments by the owner uh, this morning and looking at some of the comments on, uh, you know, the, the Internet, it's uh, very unfortunate, and I uh, wish the guy wouldn't have done it. And uh, I think it's a it's a cowardly deal to do on the stage. If he had a problem with Churchill Downs, he should have brought it up before now. Uh, Churchill's an easy target because it's a publicly traded company that clearly wants to make money, just like any publicly traded company has an obligation to its shareholders. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an easy target for the horse racing world. But uh, my comment was to them, hey, look, if you didn't want to come to Churchill and you didn't want to be a part of it, you're just taking a spot for someone else. I mean, they can pack the derby all year long with 20 horses of people that want to be there. So I don't know exactly what happened, but very, very mistimed, unfortunate comments, in my opinion. Brian, it seemed like I, I watched an interview um, on the backside with him um, before the Derby, and mm-hmm. he struck me as somebody that has like this huge chip on his shoulder. Do you think that he's kind of riding that? Like people told us we were stupid for investing in this horse, and now look at us, and like he's trying kind of like taking that route. And so anything that doesn't go his way, he feels like he has to shoot it down. Um, verbally because he's like you guys are or maybe he's like taking oh something happened at Churchill Downs that he like took personally like you said I mean I'm not sure anybody could navigate through Churchill Downs with a wheelchair on Derby Day um, in a really successful way or a smooth way do you think he's just got this huge boulder on his shoulder so anything that happens he's gonna basically throw a tantrum about because he feels like he's getting the short end of the stick I think you're 100% correct. You know, I mean, in all seriousness, anybody that names their business entity, their their partner, dumbass stables, is got some kind of a problem. But the guy was clearly, I, I remember seeing the interviews before, he was clearly inebriated before the race. He, w- he actually was carrying a bottle, I think it was tequila, around. It was probably given to him from the folks at Preakness, which made that so much better hospitality than uh, maybe he had to pay for his drinks or something at Churchill. But yeah, this guy does have a chip on his shoulder. He's they're really defensive about the fact that he's a California bred, modestly bred horse, and he's got a chip on his shoulder about the Kentucky breads, which I didn't think he needed to do. I, I haven't, I haven't sensed that sediment that the people in Kentucky, you know, had a problem with this California. I mean, the the sires and the grandfather and all that, they all come from California blood, or I'm sorry, from Kentucky bloodline. So why he had to pick a fight. Uh, with with the with the breeders in Kentucky and and the people at Churchill Down and in my opinion it's going to escalate perhaps to the state of Kentucky. I mean I, I don't know why he had to do that. He left with such good feelings in Kentucky. People were pulling for the horse. I was pulling for the horse. I got to tell you, I'm still pulling for the horse, but I don't want to see this drunk, dumbass partner guy of any more on the national stage. And he really, I think he's probably embarrassed his partner and the partner's mother. You know, I mean, and maybe the reason they didn't come. 
to the Preakness had nothing to do with the fact that they were treated poorly at Churchill. Maybe it had everything to do with the fact that their their big dumbass drunk partner made a fool of himself, and they didn't want to see it again. So I mean, this guy's a I, you know, they, they need to put the microphone, take it away from him and focus on the horse. And he's a great horse. It's a great story. Horse racing needs a triple crown. This looks like a great horse. And, and this guy has really pr- provided a sideshow that was unnecessary and, and un- unfortunate, in my opinion. Brian, I'm constantly drawing a parallel between the sport of horse racing and one of my loves, which is the sport of professional boxing. Many would contest that boxing needs a heavyweight American champion to be revitalized and to thrive in today's sporting world. I would argue with that, but that is the contention among many sports fans. How bad does the sport of horse racing need a triple crown? I think it's a great parallel between the two. There are two old pastimes, American pastimes, that a lot of people have think that have seen their better days boxing and horse racing you know you go back a hundred years and those were the two of the most popular sports way you know way before football and basketball those were the two american sports that really captivated the american people's uh, you know passion and uh, just like boxing could really use a good heavyweight uh american heavyweight or at least a north american heavyweight uh you know, I think the same thing can be said, and that's what's making this comments by this guy a little unfortunate. Maybe we're dwelling too much on it, but California Chrome could do a lot for horse racing. I mean, he uh, he really looks dominant. Uh, will he win the Triple Crown? I would say it's 50-50 at best. It's still a lot to do. If you remember, only three horses came out of the Derby. Three out of 19 went on to uh, Pimlico to run in the Preakness, and there, and a lot of the rest of them, uh, are, are waiting for the Belmont and, and, you know, using that time to recoup and, uh, you know, get ready for the Belmont. So he's going to face a lot of serious challengers. He's not bred to go particularly long. Now, so far, it doesn't look like his breeding has caught up with him. Uh, you know, he's run two of these races and he looks like he's got more in the tank. He was though, I think right on Curlin who did run in the Derby. It's interesting. The three horses that went to Pimlico finished in the top four at the Preakness. And the, uh, I said it on Mike's show yesterday when I was talking to him, the horses coming out of the Derby traditionally do very, very well, even though it's only two weeks rest, they traditionally do very well at the Preakness. And once again, they did great. Three of the top four horses were the only three from the Derby, but right on Curlin was making, was, was moving up. And uh, you know, if it went another, a little more than a quarter of a mile, uh, it, it, it would have been very interesting yesterday. So uh, it would be great to see a, a triple crown winner. Horse racing needs it. Horse racing's had a, you know, a tough year with the uh, the pet PETA investigation on Asmussen. So, you know, it's constantly uh, getting negative publicity, and this would do a lot of great things to the horse racing. So, you know, I was all fired up for the, for California Chrome, uh, you know, and to push, but it, very unfortunate comments. It's it's distra- taken away from the, the great horse and uh, the fact that he looks very dominant, and uh, we would all love to see a Triple Crown winner. Brian, I had a question for you, too, because I I read another story about something that went down on Derby Day, and um, apparently the Broncos wide receiver Wes Welker was paid out um, about close to $15,000 more than he should have from he apparently sent one of his buddies to collect his money, and the machine paid him out like $57,000-plus, which was $15,000 more almost 
than what he was supposed to get. Now Churchill Downs is saying we want our money back. Um, what happened? And is stuff like is that a normal thing that happens um, at racetracks? And is you know is that another shot at Churchill Downs? Is something they need really need to work on? Well, I wish it was a normal thing at tracks. I wasn't cashing my <laughs> yeah. tickets. I'd like to cash in to an extra $14,000. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did feel bad. The teller uh, reportedly came up. What happened was the tote board went down. Uh, they had cashed some tickets. The tote board went down across the track. And when it came back up, they did not realize they had already run some of the tickets, so they re-ran them. That particular teller came up 15 grand short. Uh, Churchill, I think, made a mistake there. And uh, I'm not – defendant Churchill. Churchill makes a lot of boneheaded decisions, but they're an easy target. And, uh, you know, I, I think when you're trying to do stuff on the scale of the Kentucky Derby, you're an easy target. You're going to, you're going to get picked on, but they should have never asked. They, they've retracted the statement that they wanted the money back. Wes Welker said, I'm not paying any money back. He said, you know, for all we know, we, we you know, we got paid two less on some of these tickets. So, you mm-hmm. know, there was no way it was, very stupid, in my opinion, that Churchill would even even went public with that because then they immediately said, "Look, we don't expect to be paid back. Bring your fifteen grand back. You guys all come back to the Derby next year with fifteen extra grand, and you know, bet it." So, the the, the PR department at Churchill could could definitely use some work, and there may help. be some. <laughs> Yeah, they do, and, and and they're constantly make. There was another thing that happened Derby Week. The writer of Secretariat. Turcote, his name is. He's a uh, he's in a wheelchair. He yeah. was crippled after that. He had problems uh, getting into. Uh, you know, obviously, it's not wheelchair friendly at Churchill's. We're finding out, but you know, at some point, you've got to wonder. You know, at what point does a, an elderly person in a wheelchair decide, hey, maybe I shouldn't go to a major track on their biggest day of the year and mm-hmm. expect to be treated you know, just perfectly wheeled around with no kind of disturbances or anything. So yeah, um, you think about somebody like Ronnie Turcott, like he's a legend, I think in the, in the horse racing world. Like, I mean, obviously I know who he is, so that's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, like he rode secretary in the triple crown. Like that's something that not very many people can say that they've done. So I would, I would think he would get a little bit of VIP treatment. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the problem with it is, 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 as I said, it's a publicly traded company, and this is their one week of the year to make the profits really for the whole company for the whole year. So everything's geared at maximizing profits, and you know, stuff does fall through the crack. I think a lot of these things could have been fixed without a lot of expense on Churchill's part. I'm in no way defending Churchill's PR department. Uh, they need they constantly are making screw ups. The Welker deal was another example. Of, I mean, if you're going to retract the statement, why do you go back? and ask for the money. I mean, the whole, they, they make a lot of boneheaded moves. Uh, I just think uh, in the case of the California Chrome owner, you know, if you're going to take a shot at them, don't do it after you've drank a bottle of tequila and, and you're supposed to be reveling in the fact that your horse just won the Preakness instead of throwing darts at Churchill Downs, uh, you know, because uh, if he goes on to win the Triple Crown, he's going to be all, he's always going to be linked back to as a Kentucky Derby winner. So I don't know why you want to pick that fight. That's true. To change gears on you there, Brian, we got game one of the very highly anticipated Eastern Conference Finals today at 3.30 on ESPN as the Miami Heat will travel to Indianapolis at Banker's Life Arena and play game one. What are your expectations for this series? I think this is, as you know, I'm a Pacers fan. I, I've been uh, disappointed with 
uh, you know, Roy and, and, and Lance, you know, I heard you guys talking about Lance and he's, you know, making these comments about Wade. He just needs to concentrate on himself. He has not played well in these playoffs at all. He's been a no show. His energy and athleticism is very important and his defense on Wade's very important. But I think today's game is probably the most important of the series. If the Pacers can come out and win today and hold uh, which is going to be a very tough task, uh, then I think that uh, they got a very good shot. If they lose game one at home, I don't think it's going to go very well for them. So it, today is huge. I think this is the most important game of the series. You know, I was listening to your comments earlier, and Ashley, you know, being a big Heat fan, mm-hmm. uh, defending <laughs> her, you know, what possible weakness. I think they've got a lot of weaknesses. Okay. I think uh, they, they don't have – They've got the best player that we've seen maybe ever in LeBron, and he continues to amaze everyone. But they do have Dwayne Wade, who's got gimpy knees, and he's played well in the in the playoffs, but you never know when those knees start to add up. Bosch does not look like himself in the bench. I don't think this Heat team is a lot different than some of the Cavs teams uh, that, that LeBron played on. I think that LeBron is definitely carrying them. And uh, in bringing that up, I think it'd be good to talk about uh, what Ashley and Kelly, I'd like to get your feedback on what do you think about the, the comments coming out of Coach Cal this week, that he would love to coach LeBron. As everyone knows, LeBron can opt out of his contract with the Heat this year. And there is speculation that he would like to go back to Cleveland. And Cal through his, I mean, very un, un-Cal-like said, yeah, he would love to coach him and, uh, and the Cavs need a coach. So uh, Yeah, I, f- uh, I feel like he tried to... Cal, um, he tried to kind of cover that a little bit. Like, oh, like he said it. I think he almost said it like it was a brain fart. And he's like, yeah, I'd love to coach LeBron. And then he was like, oh, no, let me fix that. And he said something to the effect of their um, their careers were like, had never crossed paths or yeah, something like they, that. They were something both weird. going on, on in their careers and they just hadn't crossed paths uh, yet. Yeah, something, yeah, something to exactly. that effect where he tried to like clean it up or something. But I, I I always felt like Cal's out of there soon. And people, I think, on the Kentucky side are like, no, why would anybody leave UK? But I mean, Rick Pitino did it. Why? I don't think it was just to go to the... Just to go to the NBA, but like, how else do you get out of a program like that? It's a pressure cooker. The Kentucky job is a pressure cooker, and I'll say the NBA, any NBA job, is a crapshoot. If you're going to get a great player like, you know, Greg Popovich has done with Tim Duncan, or possibly get someone like LeBron, look, it's making Eric Sprolster look like a great coach. Maybe he is, but... Yeah, I'd say even if you fail in the NBA, maybe Brad Stevens is getting ready to experience that, where he has a a, a bad showing in the NBA. You can walk out of that job and come back and get basically any NBA job, or I'm sorry, any college basketball job that you want. So it's almost purgatory. So I don't think that it would necessarily be a bad career move for Cal. No, I think it's a it's a strategic career move. Anytime I would think that if you don't want to be at that program. What do you do? You go to the NBA and then you yes. wait for the Kansas job to open up or you wait for whatever job you want. Yep. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I don't think Cal's a very calculated guy, very smart man, and, and he didn't say these comments. He threw it out there, to, I think, to, to LeBron, anybody. I mean, you can't blame Cal for wanting to coach the greatest player in the game. You can't. And as it, so, I mean, but it was a very calculated move. He threw that out. You know, he's been linked to a couple other jobs. Uh, you know, famously with uh, Rex Chapman saying that he was a done deal going to the Lakers. And obviously that, of course, that has the Lakers haven't hired a coach yet either. Uh, but, uh, 
you know, it would it would seem very strange for Cal to make those comments with the loaded team he's got coming back. Uh, but he, you know, it is a pressure cooker job. I mean, you could see the wear and tear that it had on Cal during the end of last season. I mean, he, you know, I know he needs a new hip, but boy, he he looked beat up. Uh, he looked tired. He looked worn out. And uh, and that can happen when you're in Lexington and you lose double digit games for a couple years in a row and uh, you, you know it had the NIT situation so I mean it is uh, Cal's a great recruiter a great coach but if you're not winning that's not the best place to be very active coaching carousel offseason Steve Kerr very famously or um, had a very popular flirting with the New York Knicks and Phil Jackson decided to go to the Golden State Warriors to replace Mark Jackson as you said Brian the Lakers still don't have a coach my question that I asked Ashley, and I'm asking our listeners to give us a call, 502-384-1450, is would you rather be an analyst a la John Gruden or what Mark Jackson just re-signed up for or be a head coach? I think it depends on your fire. I mean, you know, if you're a coach, it, the analyst job is an easy thing to do. It's very well paid. Uh, you know, you, you make a mistake on a call. It doesn't cost you a game. People forget about it. So, uh, but, but the problem is these guys are competitive. Most of them are former players, very good players typically. And so that, that competitive fire can only keep you so long in the studio when you're itching to get back into it and you think the situation is right for you. I think it's amazing Gruden, with as many jobs as he's been linked to, both college and professional, over the years, has stayed in the booth. But that's I think that's a rarity, uh, you know, and that is not the norm. Mark Jackson will come back. I think he'll do that for a couple years. His problem from what reading with the Golden State, well, obviously was not. He did a great job coaching. He couldn't get along, I guess, with some of the, the, the upper brass and and uh, just that wasn't his deal. And he just he didn't want to, I don't know, kiss up to him or something. And, and that's where his problem was. And, you know, if he realizes that that's a deficiency in his management style, maybe he stays in the booth. But I doubt it. Most of these guys go into the booth and they're they're itching to get into the right situation. Uh, look at Van Gundy. He just came out and he's going to coach uh, uh, at the Pistons. So, I mean, he didn't stay there that long. Stan Van it, Gundy. It, yeah, so it's it's a it's a place to, to to hang out, make a good income, keep your face in front of the public, and keep your. I mean, it does seem to be. I'm amazed at how how wanted Steve Kerr has become yeah. for having never coached, and and I think Phil is really kind of. I mean, now he's going out. He wants to get. Uh, uh, anybody that had anything to do with the Lakers, he he's trying to get uh, Steve Blake. Uh, Steve Blake, he's also he's a left-handed guy, a longtime veteran. Lamar guard. Odom, he already bought Lamar Odom in. He's no, no guard, guard for the Lakers. He's, he's trying to he's get rid of Raymond Derek Felton. Fisher. Oh, Derek he's, Fisher. Derek. He's talking about Derek Fisher as a coach. Uh, so I, heard I think that. Phil needs to get off the fact that if you played for me in the past, you're the only one I could possibly think of now. I mean, I, I mean, it's it's kind of a funny little, you know, deal he's put himself in where he's got. I guess that. Triangle offense is so complicated that if you didn't play for him and learn how to do it, even if you weren't that good, uh, you know, you still have the ability to come in and coach something like the Knicks, which you talk about a pressure cooker. I mean, the Knicks couldn't be, I mean, that is the biggest pressure cooker in sports, probably. Uh, maybe the Yankees' job, but, uh, you know, so I, I don't know. This Phil experiment is it very well may end badly, in my opinion. I mean, with the people he's going after, uh, it just seems a little ridiculous. 
A lot of interesting storylines out there regarding NBA coaching searches this offseason. Brian, thank you very much for your update on the Triple Crown and the chances of California Chrome um, going on to complete the Triple Crown and also your insight on the NBA. Thank you very much, Brian. Have a great rest of your weekend. Thanks for having me on. I'll listen to the show. Keep up the good work. All right. Thank you. Good stuff there from our man Brian the Insider, Ashley. Absolutely. Brought us into a couple different topics there. Uh, Phil Jackson, you and I both grew up a product of the Michael Jordan era Mm -hmm. in the NBA. You said you loved the old NBA teams where you knew where the backups even. Bill Wennington was a St. John's guy. Um, You know, I think Luke Longley went to New Mexico. Ron Harper, Miami of Ohio. Those Bulls teams under Phil Jackson Mm -hmm. are indirectly or maybe directly responsible for a lot of the love that's out there for the NBA. Right. Phil Jackson is the head coach. He's the guy who brought together these great forces, and he's won how many rings now? Ah, nine? I, I think he won three. No, not nine. He won three. He did two three-peats. No, he, he's done nine because he won three with the Lakers, and then he won three twice with the Bulls. So he's won nine rings. Thus far, since coming on with the Knicks, he's brought in Lamar Odom. As Brian said, he's trying to bring in Steve Blake, get rid of Raymond Felton, who has gun charges pending. Hmm. What is your opinion on Phil Jackson's experiment in in New York? Mm-hmm. Honestly, I haven't been following it a whole lot, but it sounds like, um, from what Brian was saying, that he's going with guys that, that he trusts. Um, not even so much that he can't think of anybody else to take these positions on in New York, but it seems like he has a handful of guys that he trusts that will do a good job, and he doesn't want to be a bust um, in the front office. So I think um, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. will be very interesting. I want to encourage our listeners, give us a call on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line, 502-384-1450. My question for the day is, is it a better job to be an in-studio analyst, a la John Gruden or Mark Jackson, compared to being a coach where George Carl proved you can win Coach of the Year one year and then literally get fired the next year? So give us a call and let us know what you think about that Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line. We're going to head to the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line now. We got our man Carolina Steve on the line with us. How you doing this morning, Carolina? Carolina, are you there? I'm here. Oh, great. What, what, what's going on with you this weekend, Carolina? Well, I'm getting ready for uh, into the 10 days of uh, thunder on Fox, and I'm watching uh, a lot of racing this weekend, and I'm talking about racing that involves cars and horsepower, not an animal. Okay. What, what, what races are going on this weekend? Well... Last night, they ran the best all-star event in any sport, stick and ball or anything. They ran the sprint all-star race at Charlotte last night. And what is that? Why is it called an all-star race? Because the only way you get into it is to win a race. So had you won a race, what, this past year or what? I mean, how, how had you ever won a race uh, you get in? There were, tw- there were 22 drivers in it. It includes the uh, anybody that within the last ten years that won the championship. It includes uh, winners of races, and they do have what uh, what I call a hooligan race. But it's the last chance race 
where two people from there race in and the fans get to vote one person in. So there were 22 people running for a million dollars last night. And I'm looking at it. It looks like Jamie McMurray came away with the victory. Oh, that was good. I watched all 90 laps that they ran, and it, it was just real good racing from up there. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, you had some uh, interesting stories in it, you know, with, with wrecks that took people out, like Kyle Busch got taken out in the second segment after he'd won the first segment. Probably the best car and fastest car didn't win the race because Kevin Harvick had the fastest, but he just had, didn't have enough time to catch up to Matt Murray and pass him. Okay. And you, ha- you had another interesting uh, thing last night, a couple things. Number one, Kurt Busch qualified 10th at Indy yesterday, and he was in the race last night. And he'll be running, doing the double, as we call it. He'll be running next week at Indianapolis, and then he will be flying to Charlotte to run in the 600. Nobody has ever successfully won either one of the races on that day. The closest that anybody's ever come, I think Tony Stewart ran all 1,100 miles one year. Wow. So so that's... uh, the way things were, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, Carolina, there is a, a race where Charles Barkley, we talk a lot. We were earlier in the show about Charles Barkley and Shaq and how just electric entertainment they are on the NBA, on TBS and TNT, the Turner Networks. Um, but there's a story out there where Charles Barkley has wanted to and finally got to race against Dale Earnhardt Jr., and this past Friday, there was a race yeah, that, that was recorded. What do, you, what do you know about that? I saw that on Fox Sports 1. They raced go-karts. Oh, was it go-karts? Yeah, and what ended up happening, Junior had a tremendous advantage because of the weight difference there. He, uh, he weighs probably about half of what Barkley weighs. And uh, it was It was good. Junior said he has gained a lot of respect for Barkley. And it's people like that crossing over to help make this sport as popular as it is. Now, next week is probably the best day of racing on television that there can be. You start off in the morning, and I do this every year. I start out in the morning, and I watch the Grand Prix of Monaco, where they run through the streets of Monaco uh, for, for the F1 crowd, and it is just the hairpin turns and going into the uh, tunnel and everything, those are just as breathtaking as, as I can imagine the, the, the way they make them. Then we have the race from Indianapolis, and anybody, I'm thinking honestly about going up there for this one this year for one simple reason. It'll be the last year that Jim Neighbors will sing the iconic song back home again in Indiana live at the race. Wow. So we've got next Sunday, May 25th, NASCAR Sprint, Sprint Cup Series at Charlotte, the Charlotte Motor Speedway. So a big weekend of NASCAR action coming up the world next 600. week. Yes, and some things. I know Brian likes horse racing and everything, but I wouldn't be taking up. For me, after I saw what they did to that uh, 
jockey, Ron Turcott, that rode uh, the last triple cra- uh, triple crowd winner. I just think that Churchill Downs thinks they're a little bit too big for the britches. I noticed, don't they usually have more than six horses in a race? Normally do, That's yes. That's all I saw advertised uh, in the races this morning. And just the way they, the mistake they made with Wes Welker. And then they have the audacity to say that their screen for the tote board is bigger than Big Haas, which is in uh, Texas Motor Speedway. It's absurd. That is the biggest high-definition television in the world is Big Haas. is in the middle of the infield at Texas Speedway. And Bruton Smith owns that, and if he gets bad here, he'll put one in the middle of uh, Kentucky Speedway, too. So, if, if Brian, if you're listening out there, next week we expect a rebuttal. Apparently the Texas Motor Speedway big screen is bigger than the Churchill Downs big screen is. No question about it, Carolina. Churchill Downs has a perception, almost like a big bank, too big to fail, with their Kentucky Derby points system. They're really flexing their muscles. They've excluded certain races from the even from even being a part of the Kentucky Derby points system and the schedule, such as the Illinois Derby. It's really lost some of the credibility from that uh, system entirely. So they do rub a lot of people the, the wrong way, Carolina. You're right. So it's it's difficult to constantly be defending the the Kentucky Derby and the Churchill Downs um, way of doing business. I remember I was talking to Jerry Carroll one time. He's the guy that built Kentucky Motor Speedway and the one who uh, ended up selling it to Bruton. And he told me that dealing with the people in NASCAR was a lot easier and a lot nicer than dealing with the horse people here in Kentucky. Wow. Well, you know. And also, Brian's talking about uh, treatment for uh, handicap and everything. Every race I've ever been to, there's so many, uh, so many handicap-accessible places for people who want to attend the race that they don't have any problems with them. Especially at, uh, at Kentucky, the way it's built, like down in the bowl, they have a special thing at the top for people in wheelchairs where they can sit. Wow. Shots are fired. Carolina Steve claiming... NASCAR is more handicap accessible, possibly, than the world of horse racing. Is that is that right, Carolina? That is right. That's what I say. I've been to Churchill Downs, and I haven't seen what I saw. And also, those nice luxury boxes that uh, they have at the races, they have elevators that will take people up to those. So that's going to be good. Oh, by the way, you need to go ahead and send off so we can get our credentials for the race. It's at the end of June. End of June. Let me see here. We got the Kentucky Speedway Saturday, June twenty eighth. You're right. I do. I, I've uh, actually communicated a little bit with the Kentucky Speedway folks. I've got a phone number for somebody. Keep reminding me, Carolina. I do need to put in credentials, and I don't see why we shouldn't be able to go Saturday, June twenty eighth, Kentucky Speedway. I've never been to an event. Well, if we get if you get credentials, I'm gonna go up there and cover all three races for you. Okay. Because of the fact that they got truck, nationwide, and cup racing up there. And there's some people in each series that I know that I want to go up there and see run and everything. Well, I, it's been good. North Carolina was great, but it's great to be back in uh, 
across the river in the, in the state of Indiana. As Jim Neighbors said, I'm back home in Indiana again. Thank you very much, Carolina. Have a great, have a great rest of your weekend. We'll talk to you next week. We're going to head to a break here. Going out to uh, wow, Beyonce there. Shout out to Brian. I heard that you love Beyonce. Oh, Brian is a big Beyonce fan. I've heard through the grapevine that he's really... Maybe. In particular, this song. You heard, right? You heard that Beyonce and Jay-Z are going on tour together. Um, so... Maybe... They're stopping in Cincinnati. Maybe you should get Brian tickets. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, I, I, I've i heard through some different sources that Brian really likes this song. He should. He should. So we're going to head to a break. On the other end, we're going to come back with the most popular segment in radio or television in the Louisville, Southern Indiana market, and that is Ashley's Loco Cinco, or some call it Ashley's Crazy. So be sure to stay tuned for more of your weekend sports buzz. Welcome back to your weekend sports buzz. I'm Kelly Patrick alongside Ashley Danielle coming at you as we do every Sunday from 10 until noon. Talking all things in the world of sports here on 1450 WXVW in the Louisville Southern Indiana market. The sports buzz is brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence where the J stands. What's the J stand for Ashley? It stands for justice. J stands for justice. Brandon J. Lawrence calls us at the end of each show. Corrects us on any factual inaccuracies that we may have made throughout the show at that point. Um, I don't know that we've made any yet. Maybe we have. We'll see. At the end of the show, we'll get to see. 502-587-0041 is Brandon's phone number. Give him a call. Best personal injury attorney in the city, in the area. So with no further ado, we got the most popular segment. In the history of radio or television in the Louisville Southern Indiana market. It's called Ashley's Loco Cinco. Some call it Ashley's Crazy. Ashley breaks down the five craziest stories in the world of sports. So we are ready. The world is waiting, Ashley. Well, what is story number one? Story number one is just for you, Kelly Patrick. All right. Uh, apparently, Brazil this summer will be crawling with hookers. Well, <laughs> It's at least more than usual because girls from all over the world tell some news sources that they're heading south for the World Cup to work. Okay, uh, just so like they do, just like we talked about, they do the Super, the Super Bowl. The prostitutes come out in full force. Yeah, but the World Cup—that's even a bigger deal than the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, I think so. I'm sorry. Can you can you can you hear me? I can hear you okay. now. Yep. Yeah, so they, I mean, uh, I guess prostitutes, tra- the top end prostitutes in the whole world travel, whether it be to the Super Bowl or to, in this case, the World Cup or the Olympics, right? They had a good showing at the Olympics. Yeah, um, it seems like they're all over the place when there's big sporting events going on. But apparently, um, 
with an estimated 600,000 international soccer fans traveling to Brazil for the games, the um, girls know that it's a huge opportunity to make some cash, especially since prostitution is legal in Brazil. So um, this news source said that they spoke to sex workers from all over the USA and the Netherlands who say they're excited for the trip, but the girls from Canada aren't going to make the travel because... They said it's a little bit too cost prohibitive for them. Uh, And it's too much competition in Brazil to just up and fly over there. I would think so. You know, I mean, if you're first off, if you are a prostitute and you are trying to make ends meet, where do you fit in a huge plane ticket and hotel accommodations? Where does I mean, you got to be pretty high end. Well, maybe to be able to afford that. I want to know what the costs are. I mean, what kind of money do people drop on? I don't know, but I was thinking maybe some of these girls were some of the ones that did the Super Bowl and maybe uh, March Madness in Vegas. So maybe they saved a little money for this trip. Wow, that's amazing. Well, story number two: Uh, high school football star Marquise Bryant. His running back, who had committed to the University of South Florida, was just sentenced to 215 days in jail after pulling a gun on a cop. Um, Apparently, it was reported that 18-year-old Marquise Bryan got into a fistfight with a police officer who had confronted him in a parking lot and was eventually taken down by a police dog. Um, Now, I've learned that Bryant has struck a plea deal with prosecutors in which he agreed to plead no contest to carrying this concealed weapon and violently resisting an officer in exchange, he got 215 days and also was ordered to complete 100 hours of community service and two years probation. Um, As far as his scholarship goes to the University of South Florida, um, they haven't yet commented and they wouldn't say whether or not they've ended their relationship with this kid. So what do you think? Like if you're a coach at a college program, big time college program, do you cut this kid or what do you do? Great question, because the easy answer, Ashley, would be me to say, oh, yeah, we want nothing to do with that kid, right? But as Louisville Cardinal football fans know, and our current head coach Bobby Petrino knows, it's not always that simple. Even Charlie Strong famously yeah, gave, I what think... was it, Darius Ashley? Mm-hmm. Gave him a second chance, a lot of the coaches third do chance that. after a couple bad, horrible DUIs. Stick with someone. You really got to know the intimate parts of the entire situation. Right. Um, a lot of people get in trouble when they're young. Doesn't mean they're a bad person. And this guy sounded like he was. They could just be not very smart. Yeah, this sounds like this guy was violent toward a police officer. That's tough to really relate to. Maybe that's something that is not, you know, you can't forgive and look past. But even, I hate, this is a topic that's taboo, and I don't even want to, almost don't even want to say it, but there's the one case of the Louisville football player who was charged with rape. For a family member. Yeah. And story came out this past week. Mm -hmm. He may even stay on the team. Yeah, I saw that in the newspaper this week, which was shocking. That's shocking. I mean, what the hell? But Bobby Petrino's paid the big bucks to win games. He knows the situation a little better than I do, I guess. I I mean, I don't know that I want to be the guy defending that. But my, my response, Ashley, is it's not always... That cut and drive and answer. The easy answer is always going to be to take the high road and say, oh, what an idiot. Cut him. Be done with him. We don't want that on our football program. But the realistic answer is a lot of times different. Yeah, you're right.
Story number three. Summary story number three. Another fight, um, and this will be probably a good black eye for an entire football program, but Western Kentucky linebacker Nick Holt is sporting a big black eye this morning after allegedly taking on uh, two cops at a house party this Jeez. past week um, and losing. So apparently, um, according to the police, the 21-year-old was being drunk and rowdy at a house party when cops arrived. And when officers asked him to leave, he went off, threatening the security guards and screaming at the party guests. But things really got bad when Bowling Green police officers tried to take Holt into custody because cops said he not only resisted, but he threw his back into one of the cops, knocking the officer into some nearby shrubs. Uh, another cop jumped in action and took the 6'1 linebacker to the ground face first, and he was eventually handcuffed. Um, we're going to guess that the black eye this kid got was as a result of this strong takedown. Who knows? But Holt was, was hauled to a nearby station where he was booked for uh, public intoxication, resisting arrest, and a second degree of disorderly conduct. Wow. Is his name Nick Holt? Nick Holt. Wow, the first thing I do when I hear stories like this, especially local people, is I type their name into Facebook. Yeah. Hoping, just just praying that I'll get some salacious, you know, him maybe apologizing and stuff like that. Right. I, I, yeah. I thrive on stuff like that. <laughs> of course. So I just typed Nick Holden into Facebook, and it comes up that, according to this, he's a coach for Western Kentucky. Oh, my gosh. Well, he's 21, so... Okay, maybe there's a different Nick Holt. Or maybe he he's a, was a senior, and now he's going to be a coach. It says studied his past as Bellarmine. He's from San Jose, California. Huh, maybe a different Nick Holt. So yeah, he was at a know. party, and he took on two police officers, and apparently they kicked his ass. Yeah, it sounds like it. It wow. sounds like they're, they're, they wrote it nicely to that's, say that. That's sad. Saying. I mean, what that guy must have... We talked... In the last segment to Brian the Insider about the California Chrome owner drinking mm-hmm. a bottle of tequila right. and making some comments he probably regrets. Going to a house party, doing shots. I'm assuming this guy was inebriated. And then fighting a couple police officers. That's got to be something you wake up the next day and also regret, I would yes. think. I would say strongly. <laughs> Assaulting a police officer never looks good on a record. No, not at all. Especially at 21, so that's not dropping off his record. That's not dropping off his record. Violent crimes are not good for your record. Violent, and violent crimes against police. Against a police officer <laughs> even, is especially even, yeah. bad. I, I don't have any experience in that realm. So but, you're okay. really not. So I'm not really as ghetto and, and as of a thug, as you would like thuggish to. as I, yeah. I claim to be. So you be. have to fight a cop. <laughs> no thanks. Okay. No thank you. Story, Story number, number four. four. Um, apparently... Kevin Durant was blessed by three rabbis before game six, um, which I found was interesting. But one of the three rabbis who blessed Kevin Durant before game six says that he begged God for the OKC star to have a great game because he didn't want to be embarrassed if the blessing didn't work. Um, So this guy, Rabbi um, Ulian, I think, Ulian, I'm not sure how to say his name, um, but he was one-third of the triple rabbi blessing that Durant received at the Jewish Education Movement Center in L.A. Out a couple hours before the Thunder took on the Clippers. Um, the rabbi said he really play- he prayed he made, um, a spiritual, that he made a spiritual contact with, uh, within his heart uh, towards Kevin Durant. He said the best part was when he heard 
um, that the Thunder were losing by 16. He was disappointed, and he said, hey, God, don't embarrass me today. So apparently God came through for him. Uh, Kevin came through. Everyone was happy, probably except the Clippers. But it was interesting. What do you think? I guess, I, what does that say about Kevin Durant's faith? Is he... I'm not sure. I was wondering, is he um, is he Jewish? Is he Christian? Like, was he at the at doing, like, an appearance or something at Ju- the Jewish Education Movement Center? Or, interesting. or, you know, was that, like, kind of a... It doesn't... They're making it seem like it was, like, a one-time, but it has not happened before. So huh. it's very interesting, huh? You know that Madonna converted to Judaism. Mm. Um, so, I don't know. I haven't heard of any... You know, a- athletes or anything like that converting. Well, but maybe, maybe Kevin Durant's groundbreaking. And maybe if he got this triple blessing and it worked, he's probably going to do it again. <laughs> yeah. What do you do if, if you're Kevin Durant, you get that blessing, and then you drop 50 in, in route to a victory? You have if a couple of super sisters. You like have a, a most few, athletes are. Yes. You have a few rabbis travel. Around with you to each game, kind of like Rick Pitino does. Always has, has a priest. priest. Yep. Always has his priest with him. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. Last story. Um, your boy, Michael Sam's reality show, oh. is officially on hold. After the linebacker's agent met with the Rams and realized that it's a huge distraction that could seriously jeopardize his chances of making the team. Well, duh, right? Um, of course, Adam or Sam struck a deal to star in this docudrama for Oprah's own network about his journey to the NFL as the league's first openly gay player. Um, the NFL reportedly knew about the show, but when the Rams drafted Sam's, they had no idea, um, and everyone on the planet knew the team would view the show as an unwanted distraction. Um, of course, everyone except for Michael Sam. But today, or yesterday actually, Sam's agents... Um, met with the with the team administration and they clearly they clearly spelled it out that it is in Sam's best interest to get rid of the cameras or he could be looking for a new job. Um, so Sam's agent released a statement saying after today's meeting with the Rams, we collectively feel it's best to postpone the project. This will allow for Michael to have total focus on football and will ensure no distractions to his teammates. So uh, he also said that everybody involved remains committed to this project and understands its historical importance as well as its positive message. So it's interesting. The Rams are saying we're not with that. We're not about to – you're not going to turn our preseason into a TV show, basically. Yeah, got to use choice words there. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But it is an interesting situation. I can see it from both – perspectives, right? You can see yeah. where the Rams do not want their, pardon the pun or the, 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 the terminology, they don't want it to turn into a freak show with cameras everywhere, the Oprah network coming from every angle and, and getting all sorts of unnecessary or unwanted exposure. But I can also see it from Michael Sam's perspective. You're a seventh round draft pick. There's a chance he wasn't going to be drafted at all. Many seventh round picks don't even make the team. Right, right. So, in the sport of NFL and professional football, that's your one crack at making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to hate on Michael Sam for wanting to make a lot of money yeah. and wanting to sign a contract that was perfectly legal to it's perfectly legal for the Rams to say no, you know, you're not able to do that, but I have absolutely no problem with Michael Sam wanting to take whatever bonus the Oprah network was going to give him to have this 
reality show. If the Rams were to cooperate, I see nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. They don't want to. Jeff Fisher probably doesn't want that to be a part of his, uh, you know, locker room. Right. You want to minimize. You know, they want to do what Michael Sam originally said he wanted to do, which is keep it to football. So I don't have a problem either way with it. Yeah, I think he's got a, and especially you think a few months ago, people were saying he could potentially be no lower than the third round pick. So he probably was anticipating making a little bit more money right up front. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he's going to have to do whatever he can while the iron is hot to maximize his money because he may, like you said, he may not even make the team. Yeah, and there will always be these naysayers out there, like Jason Collins, coincidentally came out Mm -hmm. right when his NBA career was basically irrelevant, trying to keep himself marketable and in the public eye, trying to make more money. It's America. I don't have a problem with people trying to make more money. But at the same time, you got to realize you got to do that within the within the context, within the, the the context and the restraints of right. what team you're employed by. So right. it's it's something that I don't have a problem with Jeff Fisher and the uh, St. Louis Rams, whoever made the decision on that topic, um, to say, no, it, it's not going to work. But he's certainly getting plenty of criticism by it. For some reason, this is a very... Very polarizing topic, Ashley. Yeah, I mean, it is a big deal. I mean, anytime I think there's a first, and I don't think by any means he's the first. I think that he's the first um, open one, sure, you know, first person open about it. So I think anytime there's a first something, um, it's a historic or it's seen whatever people want to make a really big deal about, it, and that's fine. But like you said, I think you have to pay attention to um, how that's going to affect the flow of the organization. Like, for example, um, when I was competing in pageants pretty heavily, like, I don't know, the, let's see, 2006, 7, 8, like those years, Mm -hmm. there was a show um, on MTV called Tierra Girls. I'm not sure if you remember that or not, but what they did was follow girls through pageantry. And um, they basically would come like the month before as you were in preparations and follow you like as you're getting ready for pageants. But um, and now I was approached about that project, but it's too much because not only does that just take away your time, because, of course, you have to do the interviews, you have to allow them in your home, you have to allow them um, access to your rehearsals, which is going to you know put pressure on the wherever the venues are then you've got the organizations actually running it so in this case would be the rams and what types of operations will be shown on television what things they don't want to be seen like all of those types of things and then the other people that are involved so like for me it would have been the other contestants but for him the other players do they even want to be on tv are they gonna have to sign waivers like it's way too much a lot of dynamics that go into that you have a producer who probably is saying things to the effect of, and I'm, I don't know for sure, but let's see you embracing with your boyfriend, mm-hmm. right? To mm-hmm. end, we're going to want to end the show with that this week. Well, I mean, right. you just got done with a, you know, two a day workout maybe for the the NFL team. You're trying to make a roster spot, mm-hmm. and you got some producer who maybe doesn't know anything about sports. Right. Probably most likely, most likely doesn't not, yeah. doesn't, and he's telling you to kind of ham it up and to, you know, make it a little gayer. Yeah, I mean that, uh, and, and that may be that's what they're going. I mean, you know, I'm and I'm, not, I'm not criticizing the producer or anything. That's the nature of what what's going on. That's but, always a wild card because you don't know um, from the person on the other side like what 
the angle of the show is really going to be. Like, is it going to be done by a producer that's a true, um, basically a journalist trying to tell his story? Is it going to be done as, like, trying to find different issues within the NFL and the organization that he plays for to try to throw shots at them? Like, what are they really wanting to focus on? His romantic life, his football career, like... It's there's so many wild cards, I think, that I can understand the Rams being a little bit hesitant, um, at least until he gets on the on the team. Yeah, it's going to be a, a spectacle no matter what. And until a professional athlete has came out in every major sport and has lost some of the appeal or the um, notoriety of being the first for that particular sport, it's going to continue to do so. When we get our first openly gay Major League Baseball player, it's going to get a lot of publicity, and it's going to be somewhat of a circus atmosphere for whatever team they're on. We're going to head to a break here. On the other end, we're going to talk to all-time Louisville great running back Anthony Shellman about his favorite team, the Miami Heat. 3.30 today on ABC, Indiana Pacers are going to square off against the Two-time defending champions. And we're going to get Anthony's input on that game. Ashley and I will be back with more of your weekend sports buzz. Welcome back to your weekend sports buzz. I'm Kelly Patrick. Coming at you as we do every Sunday from 10 until noon. Alongside Ashley Danielle or Ashley Miller. The big sports story of the day. I'm sorry. I was You're smiling. I you're, was just singing. You're song. happy you're happy with this the song selection. I'm very, very happy with the song selection. Won't get any complaints from you regarding Beyonce at any times. Ever, no. But before we get into the number one sports story of the day, what do you think about this elevator instance oh, between Beyonce's sister, sister and yeah. Jay Z? What I mean, what do you make from that? That was a mess, first of all. And I I don't know. I've heard a lot of different things saying like that she was just trying to start some drama because like she's like non a non factor in life and her music isn't doing very well. She's trying to get attention. I don't know. I heard she was drunk. Like I've heard so many different things. Um, I heard that she tweeted that he hit Beyonce. I'm confident that that would have been on the tape. We would have seen that, <laughs> and that probably been the first thing that was released. It's just um, drama, you know. I mean, stuff drama. like that happens when you go out and you're, you're people are having drinks and people get mad at certain things and yeah. what I mean. Jay Z did handle it, you know. He he didn't do anything real violent. I mean, mm-hmm. he didn't. Nothing reportedly 
that you can see from that video no. that he did wrong. Protecting himself. I'm yeah, and be- it was interesting. Beyonce was just kind of letting it go. Yeah. I, I don't know if I do that. Like, well, I know that I wouldn't if I, I don't have a sister. I guess I have a stepsister. So if my stepsister was attacking my husband, I think I'm going to have to break that up. I don't think I could just sit there and and watch and see what was going on. So, yeah, it's really interesting situation. Um, I feel like they, uh, Beyonce and Jay-Z, for the course of the time they've been together, I think they've probably been together about 10 years maybe. Now they've done a really good job of keeping their business private, so I'm pretty confident this is going to disappear. The bottom line is, you know, Jay-Z didn't do anything really wrong there, mm-hmm. and it was uh, a drunken instant. Nobody's making anything of it. Back to sports, Ashley. Back to sports. I, I'm a lifelong Pacers fan, or at least as long as I've really had to choose an allegiance due and to that's, proximity. And that's, um, I mean, at this time, that's really unfortunate for you. But, well, we'll you see know. today at 3.30. <laughs> um, I, due to proximity, I was able to make the, the drive up many times to see the Pacers play here from Louisville. And that's been my team. I fell in love with them with, you know, Mark Jackson and Travis Best in the backcourt. Guys like Chris Mullen and the Davis Antonio and Dale Davis. So I've been fans of the Pacers for a long time. Ashley, you're a Miami Heat fan. Yes, I am. There's plenty of people who are Heat fans. One of them is an all-time great at the University of Louisville, Anthony Shellman. He actually scored the first points in the history of the Louisville-Kentucky football rivalry. He scored the first points ever for the Louisville Cardinals. We're joined on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line by Anthony Shellman now. How are you doing this morning, Anthony? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, buddy? Doing good, man. We appreciate you joining us this morning. Plenty to talk with you about. You have the insight as to having played in the early 90s and excelled at a very high level for the University of Louisville football program. You're also getting to, in a way, maybe relive your love for the Louisville Cardinals and your personal interest in it. As your son, Devontae Parker, has played, he's a, a junior going into his senior season, and he is just a touchdown machine. My question for you is, is this Bobby Petrino offense combined with Devontae Parker and him catching all these touchdowns? Is that not just a match made in heaven? Uh, yeah, yeah, I believe it's going to be great, especially with uh, Petrino's offense. It's similar to the spread offense, and I think that uh, Petrino is going to try to get him the ball as much as he can, and uh, I think it'll be very effective for the Cardinals and Devontae. We should have an explosive season this year. Anthony, you're a friend of the Weekend Sports Buzz. We're having you on today to talk specifically about the 3.30 p.m. tip-off, the Eastern Conference Finals between the Indiana Pacers and the Miami Heat. Before we get into that, I know you, you're – you're ready to go on the yeah, Miami I'm Heat. Re- I'm ready to hear him go into that. He is <laughs> as big of a LeBron fan, and Ashley is also. Um, but, Anthony, a quick recap. What was your experience like playing for the University of Louisville? And looking back on your memories, what, what is your, your take on the entire Louisville football program? Where it was in the early 90s when you played, and it, how it's went through the different coaches, and then Charlie Strong, and back to Petrino. What, what's your, your take on the overall State of the Louisville program. Well, I have to say that, you know, I, I really do have to give uh, Coach Schnellenberger some, some credit uh, with establishing the program to where it is at this point. Uh, you know, we 
for the pioneers of playing the big schools. Uh, you know, he didn't uh, he didn't get deterred from the most talented programs, and he knew that we need to play the best around the country. So I think he laid the, the foundation for uh, Strong and Petrino and those guys. You know, Petrino coached previously, and uh, I just think he said a uh, good ground footwork, and if we can. To stay in the program, then that uh, variable that Stanenberger talked about, the only variable is time to win a national championship for the football program. We just have to find someone who's going to be committed and make that dream come a reality because uh, the talent line has been there. We get products from Florida, uh, California. We get them across the nation. We just have to have a committed coach who's going to be sold out to the program to make that uh, dream become reality. So uh, I think that, uh, you know, with those things, and uh, I think, Petrino, I think, you know, with his experiences that he's had in the past, and uh, I think he's uh, much more uh, having spirit of humility, and I think that that's going to be good for the university. No question about it. As a Louisville football fan, lots to look forward to as the Bobby Petrino electrifying offense and defense is back in town, and Devontae Parker is primed for I'm going to go ahead and say it, uh, a season where he leads the nation in touchdown receptions. I'm not really even going out on much of a limb there. Um, and then is then a first-round draft pick. So we'll see. We'll get to see Devontae Parker play for many years in the NFL. That is what I'm predicting. We are here on 1450 right. WXVW in the Louisville Southern Indiana market. We're very excited to have an announcement to make. In the future, next season, we will be partnering with the Indiana Pacers will be the local provider for the Indiana Pacers games. Did Ashley's you, Ashley's you, already given me I a look. I wish that the world could see my face right now. Ashley is not what? happy. Who made that decision and why wasn't I on that call? <laughs> it's a it's big news. There's big news to come. In addition to that, really expanding within the state of Indiana. Ashley, you're a big Miami Heat fan in particular. You're going to get me assassinated is what you're going to do. You're a big Miami Heat fan in particular, LeBron James. Anthony, you are also. What do you expect out of LeBron James specifically in today's game one in Indianapolis? Oh, well, I expect uh, with our uh, bench and with our players and we're on a mission, we're going to set a strong tone by taking game one. Uh, in Indiana, I think we're going to send a strong message, and I don't think it'll be a sweep. Uh, you know, the Pacers may win two games, but ultimately the inevitable will happen. King James was prolific at all five positions, whichever he decides to play throughout the game will be instrumental in Pacers' defeat. Uh, Chris Bosh and those guys, D Wade is healthy. Uh, Birdman, and I just, I mean, you know, we just have an overwhelming, uh, peripheral of talent, uh, the Miami Heat, and I just, you know, I just don't see the Pacers being able to deal with explosiveness. Who's going to guard Roy Hill? You know, they got, they got guys, you know, they got, you know, they got, they, they're pretty good on defense, but they, they've been too up and down on the offensive side of the ball. You know, Paul George, he's had struggles, you know, Stevenson, you know, he's, on and off, and you know the the mainstay I can't give credit to is West, but uh, I just think they've been too sporadic uh, throughout uh, the end of the season and definitely in the playoffs. You know they played the game seven with the Atlantic Hawks, and you know that was a close series, and and also the Washington Wizards. So you know I just don't see them being able to. You know people say they match up well, 
But, you know, you know, I don't see that. Hmm. We'll see. You know, I'm not going to say that I think the Pacers will actually beat the Heat. I see the Heat completing their thir- their three-peat. Um, so, LeBron James, his Four? name. I'm sorry? Is this, a, this will be four, right? No, this will be their fourth NBA Finals <laughs> that they played in. Yeah, yeah. And, Anthony, you actually pointed out the other day a, a, an interesting statistic about a, a LeBron James playing in four consecutive NBA Finals. That's right. You know, that's, that's, that's right. he does get credit. I think that people are so overzealous with, you know, the Michael Jordan, of course, is a player. Uh, taking nothing away from that. But I believe we're having history in the making, and we're not realizing what LeBron James is doing. Mm-hmm. Even when you look at the categories and of assists and rebounds, we know that Jordan is not even close to what LeBron has done. And we look at the but the overall uh, assist of LeBron, if you just take a portion of those, and Jordan would go up. I think he's just so universally talented that uh, he played so different many aspects of the game that it's not being appreciated at this time. But I think five years down the road, uh, what LeBron James is doing will be uh, will be historic, and everybody will realize what he's actually done. I mean, it's amazing uh, what he's done since he's been in the NBA. I mean, four finals, and then you think about the other times with Cleveland, they also went to the finals. So he's actually been in the finals five times already. Uh, so, you know, it's just uh, it's just amazing what he's doing. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. And his proficiency is higher than Michael Jordan's, and that includes, you know, points, rebounding, assists, and defense. You know, he's been a defensive uh, first team, all, all first team uh, for five uh, times in the NBA, which, of course, he hasn't won defensive player of the year like Michael Jordan, I think, won twice. But he's definitely on the way. He's only 29. Mm-hmm. So, you know, five more years, my God, he's going to own the record book. Right. I think, too, um, just to kind of piggyback on what you were saying, a lot of people don't give him enough credit for the fact that, mm-hmm. um, like, Michael Jordan was a guard. True, through and through, he was a guard. He was a shooter. Like, he, he did his thing. He drove. Like, LeBron James does everything. Like, he posts up. He's, exactly. he's developed his, his um, perimeter shooting. Like, he's able to – he is, like, the complete package of a basketball player. Yeah. If you could design one – in any image that you want, you would build a LeBron James, right? And I, I think That's right. That's so many right. people don't give him credit for him doing all of the things that he does, being as big as he is, as strong as he is, able to shoot, able to drive, um, able to take the contact and still make the bucket, like all of those things. Like you said, maybe down the road when he's retired and stepped out of the game and you're like, there's no one else <laughs> like this. There's not been someone like this. Then people will get it. But it, that's something that drives me crazy as um, a sports fan to watch his skill and said, you know, people told him, like, he need to work on his post game. So then he spends the summer with all these great centers um, to learn the post game. And now he can go down there and post up with the big boys and dunk on people. But it's like nobody that's else right. is doing that, but he's not getting credit for it. Exactly. And I think, you know, just I mean, the hysteria of what Michael Jordan has accomplished, I don't think Michael Jordan even imagined uh, this happening as soon as, you know, I think he was maybe thinking someone may come in his 80s, but what LeBron has done is astonishing. I mean, there is no question about it. Yeah. I mean, this guy, I mean, he can he can pass the ball, he can rebound, he can shoot. I mean, he's worked on his uh, perimeter shooting, like you said, his down post game. I mean, this guy is unbelievable. And so 
I think he takes a lot of criticism. He is not so good in scoring, but he has a type of mindset that he actually is built into the game, and whatever the game is calling for, that's what he does. And when both actors fail, I think he's able to empower himself to become a scorer. That's what makes him so special yeah. and unique. Mm-hmm. And um, I watched, I don't remember, maybe it was, I don't think it was, it might have been before the 30 for 30 big thing, but on him and, like, his high school team and stuff like that, and that was one thing that I loved about him was his mindset. Like, he's a winner, and he's about making his teammates better. Like, a lot of times you have these great players that are going to shoot all the time, which is my my complaint with somebody like Russell Westbrook. I hate him. as I would hate him as a teammate because he shoots all the time. But, like, you think somebody like... LeBron James, you love on your team because if he's being double teamed, he's not going to continue to force bad shots. He's going to try to make his accessory pieces better so that he everybody is going to get some. Because end of the day, the end of the day, all he cares about is winning, and that's that's the mentality of a guy I want to play with. Exactly, exactly. He's so unselfish, and it's amazing. I mean, I mean, when I think about it, and you know, people forget these games like. Uh, Two years, two years ago, when they were playing Boston, and they and they and they were playing uh, Boston, when he put up like almost fifty, and he had like ten assists and like nine rebounds. Then they almost were eliminated by the Pacers, and D Wade wasn't playing and Bosch wasn't performing. They forget that LeBron put up forty five, fifteen, and nine. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was almost a triple double. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, forty Jordan has never had those type of numbers at no time. Mm-hmm. Where he had almost fifteen rebounds and, and almost ten assists in one game. I mean, he like uh, LeBron did this in the playoffs, and he literally grabbed the jaws of defeat from the Indiana Pacers. And they remember that he stole that in Game Seven. It was unbelievable performance. Mm-hmm. No question about it. If you were, to I mean, just, the Pacers are. I mean, listen. I mean, they're tough, and I, they're going to come out, and I expect that, but. Eventually, I just think the talent of the Miami Heat and their perimeter shooters, I mean, gosh, I mean, what are you going to do when a guy can shoot from the outside, big as he is, he can go down low. I mean, they have Bosch, who's now, uh, his three-point shooting is up from last year. Uh, Ray Allen, who, gosh, you leave him open, he's going to assassinate you with his three-point shooting. Then you have Jones, then you have Chalmers. I mean, whew. It's a lot they have to contend with, and I, I just don't see uh, them coming over those uh, obstacles or hurdles. Too many weapons. I agree with you. Anthony, you yeah. should call in more <laughs> often. <laughs> okay, just for, let me know you guys. I have no problem. I enjoy talking with you guys and Kelly. Uh, you know, so, you know, I'm looking forward to the upcoming season. Like I said, my son's doing well. Uh, my actually should be to uh, this season, uh, and I expect him to, to really uh, – his, his touchdowns, then he's gonna he's gonna change the record books uh, on the face of the receiving yardage after the second season, barring injury, which God willing to be fine with that. And I'm just looking forward to him having an explosive season. He's ready, he's working out, and he's doing all things that he needs to do. Uh, and I, you know, I just think that's interesting. I don't think there's ever been a father-son combination who has records in the record books. He's you know that great uh, Jeff Brom. And his dad, Oscar, they played, but I don't know if Oscar uh, put any records out there, but I know that uh, that's going to be, I'm just excited for what he's about to do in his upcoming senior season. It's just uh, it's going to be exciting. No question about it. Anthony Shellman, first touchdown or first points ever scored by the Louisville Cardinals. 
against the Kentucky Wildcats in the history of the rivalry. So they had played, uh, I think yeah. it was uh, many games before 1922. Then there was a big break, and they resumed the series yep. in 1994. The, the interesting tidbit is during all those games before 1922, the Louisville Cardinals didn't score a touchdown. They didn't even score a point. So Anthony Shellman a point. I <laughs> didn't even score well, a point. They, you know what they used to have our number. You know they beat us in uh, when we was on the rival, even though we lost in '94. You know it was the first time that we had good points on Kentucky. I mean, we had missed David Akers was our kicker. We missed two kicks late fourth quarter and it cost us the game. But uh, you know, once that rivalry started, I think you know since the '94, I think we're leading the series now. Though I think we're ahead of Kentucky. Uh, you know, so, but yeah, you know, that was, you know, I always think about that accomplishment of being the first player to score against them. And the good news about it is that that record won't ever be broke. Yeah, <laughs> that's not one you have to worry about. So, Anthony, thank you very much for joining us this morning. We'll have to have you back on, obviously, for your personal accolades as a Cardinal, your son, Devontae, but also you being the, the biggest LeBron James homer in the in the whole world. So, thank you very much <laughs> for joining us, Anthony. Uh, seriously, good luck, right, good luck you, to your buddy. heat today, and, and, and we look forward to talking to you next time. Have a great rest of your weekend. All right, you too, buddy. Good stuff there from our man Anthony Shellman. I mean, what kind of resume is that, Ashley? That's, that's legit. That's legit. First yeah. points ever scored in the rivalry for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I've got the, the facts up here in front of me now. There were six games before 1924 between the Cards and the Cats in the sport of football. The Cards didn't, not only did the Cards lose all six of the games, they didn't score a single point. Crazy. So they resumed the rivalry in 1994. Anthony Shellman scores the first points. He's right. No one will ever be able to take that away from him. I expect his son, Devontae Parker, to put up a huge season, not only by points and touchdowns, but also probably by yardage. This Bobby Petrino system. Yeah, it's, a good, it's a great system for him. Very it, good system. It for him. is. Big news is 1450 WXVW, in all seriousness, Ashley, is partnering. Are you being serious? Because I don't believe you. It's big. Seriously, Ashley, this is serious. I'm serious. I need to see this like on the internet somewhere. You will. <laughs> it's true. You, want, you live in the Louisville, Southern Indiana market or even Evansville, and you are within the footprint of 1450 WXVW. You'll be able to hear all the pre- game shows, and the play-by-play action for the Indiana Pacers all next season. So this is a team that's built with some real good talent. I don't know how after this year, if they'll keep Lance Stevenson, um, who exactly they'll keep and who will go, but this is a deep Indiana Pacers team. I I look forward to many years of them at least being competitive and being at, at the top of the Eastern Conference. Will they win today? I don't know. But will... 1450 WXVW be partnered with the Pacers going forward. Yes. So tell me, what exactly does that mean? What does it mean? That we're going to be partnered with them? Does that mean we're going to be talking about the Pacers all the time? Or We don't have to. I'll, I will. They'll still be my team. They always have been. Yeah. You can still talk about your heat. Great. You get to hear the, the pregame shows on 1450 WXVW for the, the Pacers games, and you get to listen to the games and some postgame action. So a lot of, you know, proximity is what led me growing up in the Louisville area, led me to being a Pacers fan. There's a lot of Pacers fans around here, right? I guess. You guess? What what fan base do you think dominates the Louisville, Southern Indiana market? 
Maybe I'm not, be, I'm not being sarcastic for NBA. Oh, I don't really know if. Maybe. I guess it would have to be the Pacers. Some people like the Celtics. A lot yeah. of people do. A lot of Kentucky fans. I don't know. I feel like it's pretty. It's like Louisville, Kentucky, and then whatever. Else. Yeah. You know, like I, I think you might be right, Pacers, because it's closest. A lot of Lakers fans out there. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know. It, it's a tough thing. Yeah. NBA is not that big around here. Not at all. But it is within the state of, of Indiana. And 1450 is really growing into the state of Indiana. And uh, partnership with the Pacers is a big part of that going forward. Looking well, over this game today, Roy Hibbert normally does pretty well against the the uh, Miami Heat. I don't anticipate Greg Oden playing today. So my question for you, Ashley Danielle. Yes. Is... Who's going to guard Roy Hibbert? Birdman? Maybe. Udonis Haslam? Birdman can check people. He can. He can foul the hell out of people. He does, and uh, he's one of those guys, like, I can't remember. His name was Bill somebody that played for um, the Pistons during the Bad Boys. You know what I'm talking about? Bill Lambeer. Yeah, Bill Lambeer. He's that guy. Like, I feel like Birdman is that kind of guy. Like, he's going to... He's going to guard these guys. He's going to get in their head. Um, all of that. So, I don't think Roy Hibbert's not going to beat the Miami Heat by himself. Yeah, he, he might have a good game. But, uh, yeah, he, he's he's not going to beat the Miami Heat by himself. If nothing else, Roy Hibbert has been extremely streaky during these playoffs. I mean, he has had games where he didn't record a single rebound or a single point. But yeah. at the same time, he's had games where he really steps up and, and scores points, rebounds, blocks shots. I would think if any matchup out there is a good matchup for Hibbert, it's got to be this. Yeah, well. The Miami Heat. I mean, are you going to put LeBron on him? No, we're definitely not going to do that. Definitely not. And I'm being facetious by yeah, saying that. But, I mean, let's look over. Is No, I don't know who the hell's. I mean, it's got to be Birdman. Birdman is Bosch. Chris Bosch. Chris Bosch could guard him. Yeah, he's 6'11, 235. Mm-hmm. But Hibbert's, you know, 7'2. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't always matter. You're right. Because depending on which Hibbert shows up, he could very well guard himself. Oh, yeah. He, he very well may not show up. Yeah. He does not always show up. So I'm really looking forward to it. You going to watch the game today, Ashley? I am. Um, I will probably end up watching part of it at the gym because I, you know, got to go work out. Yeah, got to get fit for summer. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely, uh, I should definitely be home in time to watch the second half for sure. So I am looking forward to this game. I think it, it'll be very interesting. It'll be interesting to see um, if the Pacers try to come out and set the tone for the series because it's on their home court. It'll be interesting to see if Miami tries to come out and dominate because they want to get this over. I'm sure they want to. Um, I mean, it's a real interesting situation with the Indiana Pacers having deserved and earned the one seed through the season. You would think this should be a hell of a matchup. I'm a Pacers fan. I don't know that it is. I don't know that the that the Heat aren't gonna win in you know win in five or six. I would I would say for the sake of television, which I have always since I was a kid said that I think sometimes that has something to do with how many games the series go. I'm gonna call Heat in six. Okay. 
Other stories. What's out your there? prediction before we move on? I'm going to say the Heat win in seven. In seven? Yeah, Pacers win today and the Heat win in seven, which would be a very impressive feat because that game seven would be in Indianapolis. In Indy, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's important. Anybody who says that home court advantage in this series doesn't matter, mm-hmm. I got a bone to pick with you. Yeah, I think it definitely matters, especially when you get that first and last game on your court. That's huge if you take advantage of it. So if we'll it, they got to win today. This yeah. is, Brian said it. Today's game is huge for the Pacers. If mm-hmm. they don't win today, I mean, it's not series over by any stretch. It's a long seven-game series. It makes it a longer series for It them. makes it a, a complete uphill battle. So today's game, 330 ABC, is huge for the Indiana Pacers. Other news, Teddy Bridgewater... He's still listed as third, or he is listed as third on the Minnesota Vikings depth chart. Hmm. But he's getting an opportunity to work out with the first team. Norv Turner, the offensive coordinator um, of the Vikings, thinks it's a good idea to have Nor- have Teddy take some snaps with the first team. What do, I mean, what do you see as Teddy Teddy's potential for this rookie season? Do you see him well, sliding into the starting role maybe within week uh, four or five? I don't know. I think, uh, of course, they're giving him an opportunity to work with the first team. Yeah, he might be listed as number three on the depth chart, but they haven't even touched. They're really just getting into starting mini camps and those types of things like here shortly. So it's like it's so early. Um, I think between now and the preseason, between now and August, I believe that Teddy will definitely work his way up at least to number two. I don't say that he's going to he could work his way into a starting lap. You never, never know, especially in sports. It could be an injury. Somebody could get fined, do something crazy. You just never know. You never know. And Christian Ponder and Matt Castle aren't exactly those. He's the most better consistent. quarterbacks than those guys. He definitely and it's is. going to be a matter of him proving that he can translate that on the on the pro level. No question about it. We're going to head to our last break of the show. We'll be talking to our man Brandon J. Lawrence. Stay tuned for more weekend sports buzz. Welcome back to your weekend sports buzz. I'm Kelly Patrick alongside Ashley Miller coming at you as we do every Sunday from 10 until noon. The show is also on Sun on Saturdays from 9 to 11 where Mike Gandolfo um, brings you all the relevant sports news in the world of sports, both locally and across the country. The Weekend Sports Buzz is brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Call 502-587-0041 to reach Brandon, the best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville. Right now we're going to hop to the Oxmore Ford Lincoln Buzz line. We got our man Brandon J. Lawrence on the line with us now. How are you doing this morning, Brandon? Hey, what's up, Kelly? What's up, Ashley? Y'all doing a great job, as always. I'm cool, man. Good morning. Thank you very much for joining us. We only got a couple minutes left, really, or uh, looks yeah. like we got four minutes here. But 
Before we get into the predictions for today's game and your comments on Teddy Bridgewater, which I'll try to overlook, I guess, um, <laughs> did we have any factual inaccuracies during the show? Nah, man, you guys, you know, you guys are pretty much on point, man. I mean, you probably get like a uh, 99.9% accuracy rating, you know? Okay. Um, but I like what, only thing I like, I kind of disagree with Brian the Insider, I kind of like what that guy said from uh, the the who's the California Chrome owner. Okay, I like. I, I mean, you know, I just you know, I like a little controversy, man. So I think it's good for the sport. It certainly is good for publicity and people reading about about um, the sport of horse racing. I'm right there with you. I don't mind people after someone wins a boxing match or an MMA fight or after an NBA game or anything grabbing the microphone and calling somebody out. So I can go with that, Brandon. He called out the the big bad, too big to fail corporate entity that is Churchill Downs. Exactly. Exactly. Give him, let Wes Welker keep his money, but he Wes Welker's a jerk, so he'll he'll keep it anyway. So, you know, whatever. Okay. What do you think's gonna go down today yeah, at three thirty on ABC between my Pacers and Ashley's Miami Heat. Well, congrats to the Pacers. They beat the Wizards. You know, it's all good. I think it's the Heat. I think it's the Heat and uh, the Heat is six. I don't even think it'll go seven, man, because I think the Pacers is just too up and down. Miami, Miami's too talented. So I got the Heat, man. The Heat in six. So, Brandon, I, I want to call to your attention really quick that you just agreed with me on something. <laughs> so, I want this to go down in history. Well, yeah. <clears throat> this... yeah. I mean, you know, the facts are the facts. I think I agree with you on a lot of things. I think you should get elected, you know, so I agree with that. <laughs> good, um, good, good. So, so, you know, yeah, it's cool. It's all good. And then just real quick, because I know y'all guys just got a couple seconds. I'm going to let you go. Um, Teddy Bridgewater. The competition he's got in front of him, if he doesn't start if he doesn't start before the season, you know, if he's not in, named the starter before the uh beginning of the season, I think it's a um it's a failure for him. It mm. might be kind it might be kinda of harsh, but I think the competition he's got in front of him is so weak. And he's such a I think that's how much I have faith in him. He's a great quarterback and I think he'll blow him out of the water, man. I think he'll be he'll be the guy that takes it over. Yeah, good call. I can I can agree with that. Too. I'm cool it's with that. Tough, but it's you know it's that true. that may be reality. Brandon, thank you very much for allowing us to be on the air every Saturday nine to eleven and Sunday from ten until noon. We'll talk to you next weekend. Have a great rest of your weekend. Bye, y'all. Take care. Ashley, it's been a great show. It has. I want to encourage our listeners to tune in next Saturday and Sunday for more of your weekend sports buzz.